Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, February 22nd, 2023. I am Dave Biddle flying solo on today's show. All right, so this is going to be kind of a tough one because I think we all really love Larry Johnson. I know Ohio State's uh, recruits and current defensive linemen do. We're going to get to that in a minute. I uh, want to give a shout out to my friends Austin Ward and Bill Landis. Um, I saw their podcast yesterday. And frankly, I don't watch a lot of other uh, podcasts. Uh, somebody brought it to my attention, and I checked it out, and I, I thought those guys did a real good job breaking down Ohio State's defensive line and the whole situation around it. So I'm going to kind of piggyback on that. It is something I've talked about on the show a few times and have written about, talked about it you know, with Jonah Booker and Bax and, and Steve Hellwagon and Patrick Murphy and others that I've had on the show. And like I said, I've talked about it as well, but I thought those guys did a really good job. So shout out to them on their podcast yesterday. So first thing here, so – People are asking, well, you know, we we had heard you say that Larry Johnson was probably going to retire after last year or whatever. Well, that's what I was hearing. I know others had been hearing that. Um, what happened there? Here's just my theory. Um, why didn't he retire? Or why, you know, why didn't Ryan Day force him out? However you want to look at it. I hate using that term. Um, a, I think, he you know, obviously he still wants to coach. Um, you know, he joked about, you know, no one asked Nick Saban about this and, we joked with him back, probably because Nick Saban would bite their head off if the media asked him, and you're too nice to us, Larry. Um, but here's the thing. When I was at, at Peach Bowl Media Day, this is no joke, um, When I and we got a chance. It's one of the few times you can interview anybody on the team, um, you know, and, you know, nothing against like Zach Harrison and some of those guys that were that we've interviewed a million times, but like I wanted to get a chance, and I know I wasn't alone with my brethren and sistren on the uh, media, but, you know, you want to get the guys that you never get a chance to talk to. You know, so I interviewed guys like, you know, Hero Canoe. I interviewed guys like Kenyatta Jackson and Amari Abor, um, you know, the true freshmen, those guys. And uh, didn't get a chance to talk to Caden Curry then, but I've talked to him before. Um, but those three in particular, asked them a lot of questions. One question that I asked each of them, um, and these are all one-on-one -on -one interviews separate. They didn't hear what the other guys were saying. I asked all of them, you know, you guys could have went anywhere. Pretty much those, those three guys could have went pretty much anywhere in the country, big-time recruits. And, you know, all high four star recruits. And, you know, why did you come to Ohio State? What what were the reasons Ohio State won out? And they all gave, you know, different reasons, but they all started with one thing. And in fact, I think Abor only gave me one thing. Larry Johnson. So it's almost like, you know, if, if you're Ryan Day and you're sitting, I don't know if this is true. If you're Ryan Day and you're sitting there like, oh, I think I want to get a new D line coach, but the defensive linemen don't all don't just think he's a big reason they're here. They think he's like the reason he's here and the current D linemen love him and his track record's excellent. Um, we'll get to that in a second when I say his track record's excellent. So I just want to throw that out there that you talk to these young defensive linemen, um, you know, and even current recruits, I'm sure if you ask Bill Curlick when he, you know, when you're talking to big time recruits, um, you know, right now that and other recruiting analysts, you know, I'm sure they're all saying Larry Johnson's a big reason they're considering Ohio state. So there you go. Um, now, I think a big thing here, and I've talked about this a lot. I asked Jim Knowles about this last year. Um, and, of course, he's not going to, like, air the dirty laundry to the media if there is any. But it doesn't feel like Jim Knowles' scheme and Larry Johnson's philosophy mesh at all. Okay, so you have a defensive coordinator who preaches starters are starters for a reason, and that's why they're out there a lot. And yeah, you might do a little bit of rotating, but like if you got a Tommy Eichenberg, he's just out there. Maybe out there too much. You could say like in the fourth quarter of blowouts, like why was Tommy still out there? But seriously, Jim Knowles believes that starters are starters for a reason. 
And, you know, and you see that in Ohio State's back seven with the two starting linebackers and the five starting defensive backs. And then on the on the defensive line, it's like a complete fire drill, right? It's just like a revolving door. Everybody, you know, everybody gets a trophy. And it's a big-time problem when the two best defensive linemen on the team last year, Tyleek Williams and Mike Hall, in whatever order. I know Mike Hall was banged up with the shoulder, so that, you know, that factors in. I get that. But when those two guys combined had about the same amount of snaps as Teron Vincent, who was bad, if you look at the PFF ratings, or if you just have eyeballs and watch Ohio State football and have any football acumen and watch Teron Vincent play this last year, for him to lead the defensive tackles and snaps by a wide margin, that's bad. And that's on Larry Johnson. And that brings me to another point. Like, you ask Ryan Day – you know, certain questions about like maybe like running backs. You know, I think Tony Alford does a good job there. But I'm going to use that as an example. Well, yeah, Tony controls that. Tony controls the running back rotation. Okay, cool. Um, defensive line. Well, Larry controls that. All right, well, why doesn't the defensive coordinator who's making $2 million control that? You know, Larry Johnson should have heavy input, but that shouldn't that be on Jim Knowles? I think it should be. And maybe he didn't have that last year, but now he will in year two. Here's the point. The best player's got to play. JT Tumaloal needs to play a lot. We talk about the the great uh, you know strength and conditioning program. If he's not in good enough shape to play as many snaps as Joey Bosa played when Joey Bosa was here, what are we doing? Um, he needs to be out there this coming year as much as Joey Bosa was in 2014-2015. JT Tumaloal. However many snaps that is, whatever percentage that is, it doesn't need to be exact. It needs to be close. This idea of 10 guys in the rotation. No, that needs to stop. And I don't, you know, so that, that's the first thing. So the best guys need to play. Pair this down. The defensive coordinator's philosophy needs to mess with the defensive line coach's philosophy. And if that takes Ryan Day stepping in as the head coach, we, I, we talk about Jim Knowles making $2 million. If this takes Ryan Day, who makes, what, north of $9 million soon when uh, eventually his, you know, he gets the, the most money that's on his contract per year when it, yeah. Uh, actualizes so to speak um you know he needs to step in then and be like this is what's happening you know the buck stops with him okay so what's going to happen with jack sawyer um are they going to keep this jack role this leo role i think he just needs to be a defensive end and you know we'll see if mitchell melton's healthy i think caden curry's a guy that can play there i think he needs to play more so you look at it this year at defensive tackle there's just no doubt that tyleek williams and mike hall have to play a lot those guys need to be the starters and play a lot. And then on the two deep, I mean, Ty Hamilton as a senior is going to be on the two deep. But we don't need another situation like Ty Hamilton or, excuse me, like uh, Teron Vincent last year where he's leading the team in uh, snaps. He needs to be a guy that's on the two deep and is a backup, uh, solid backup Ty Hamilton. And then Hero Canoe has to play. Has to play as a redshirt freshman. I don't believe – maybe he did play in more than four games, whatever he is. A second-year player, Hero Canoe. Um he needs to play. He needs to be on the two deep. And then we'll see about the true freshman, Caden McDonald. He's another guy maybe can get in there. But the Mike Hall and Tyleek Williams need to play a lot. And if that takes Jim Knowles demanding it or Ryan Day demanding it or Larry Johnson just realizing it, whatever happens, those guys need to play a lot. And then Hero Canoe and Ty Hamilton rounding out the two deep. They're, they're, we don't, you don't need six guys playing on the D-tackle uh, D rotation. Okay, defensive end. All right, so as I said, JT Tumaloal needs to play – like, you know, now if he's gassed, he's gassed. But if he's not gassed, he needs to be in there, especially during big moments, okay? Like, 
again, I'm not saying during blowouts and stuff like that. I'm talking about in big games, like when they go to Notre Dame and the game's close, hopefully it's not. But if it is close in the second half, JT Tumalau needs to be out there until he gives you the, you know, I got to come out, you know, or you, you can tell he's gas. Some guys won't even tell you they need to come out when they do. But Ohio State rotates way too much on the defensive line. It's like it's been an overcorrection. We used to talk about it way – I'm going to go way back on you. Um, remember when Joe Germain got beat up in that uh, that uh, that game against Florida State? What was that, 97, the 97 season? And Florida State was rotating guys. But even then, it was like they rotated like eight guys. And that was so like – even then, it was just so, so new. You didn't see that. You didn't see like a rotation of they have the starters – and then they have like four other guys they bring in. And Florida State just got after Ohio State in that Sugar Bowl. Um, then Ohio State was fantastic that next year in 98. But Joe Germain stood in there, you know, bloodied up chin. And Florida State's rotating like crazy. Um, but like crazy was like eight guys, not like 12 guys. And um, I remember Jim Haycock talking about that years later, about that was kind of the precipice of Ohio State rotating a little bit more. And, and that's kind of the sweet spot. You know, you want to rotate, but you don't want to rotate too much. So JT Tumolau's got to play a lot. And then Jack Sawyer, hopefully he can come into his own as a junior. I think he bulked up too much. You know, you know, there's been talk what, like, the, you know, maybe he'll bulk up even more and move it, move inside. Like, I don't, I don't want to see that. You know, he needs to, if anything, I think, you know, lose five pounds. He bulked up a little bit too much, in my opinion. Maybe a lot too much. You know, he's a guy that should be coming off the edge. Um, I don't want to see him play that Jack position. Maybe they, they won't even use the Jack that much, but I think if they're going to use the Jack, Mitchell Melton, um, like I said, Caden Curry. Uh, Caden Curry needs to play a lot this year as a second-year guy. He needs to play a lot. Kenyatta Jackson as a second-year guy. I think he's going to be in the mix. And then we'll see about Amari Abor. Um, banged up last year, but was a high, big-time recruit. So spring – you know, we can all – I don't know how you guys feel about spring ball. Um, obviously, it's fun when it gets here because we have Ohio State football to talk about. But, like, as far as the – how important it is, it's important for guys like Kenyatta Jackson and Amari Abor. And we can name other guys, but guys like that, Hero Canoe, these second-year guys, some of which did not have spring last year, but this is their first spring. It's, it's important for those guys. If they can – stay healthy and perform well in spring, that's going to give the coaches confidence and that's going to give them a springboard going into camp. And that's going to, you know, um, be the way that they're going to see the field and see the field a, a significant amount. So, you know, they've got to, as, as the, the title of the show is, you know, you know, I mean, they've got to refine the D line. It's time to refine the Buckeyes D line. They not rehaul the D line, not overhaul it. You know, not start from scratch. Larry Johnson's still good at what he does. Refine it. You know, improve it. Pare down the rotation a little bit. Play your best guys more, okay? Don't get rid of the rotation, you know? Don't just play your best guys 100% of the time. You know, don't do anything crazy, but refine what they're doing. And I like this D-line. You look at this talent. I mean, look at it. It's a bunch of – you got – a healthy mix of five stars and high four stars. Tyleek Williams at one point was a three star, but then he finished as a four star. I almost said they have the one three star with Tyleek Williams. Oh, I guess Ty Hamilton was a three star. Most of these guys, for even you know Caden McDonald coming in, not that you're counting on him as a true freshman. I have him pegged right now as probably the fifth guy at D tackle. And again, I just want to see the guys on the two deep play. So eight guys. But maybe even pair that down to six guys who play a lot. Literally the pair and the spare, you know. You got 
Um, you got your two starters, two defensive tackles. You got two defensive ends. Then pick your best backup and roll. Those are your six. And then you have two other guys that can come in on the two deep. But although, who knows? I, I want to see Hero Canoe play. So he better he better be in that uh, the top three at D tackle. Nothing against Ty Hamilton. We know Mike Hall and Tyleek Williams are going to be the starters. At least I, I hope they are. So there you go. So a bunch of people on Bucknuts wanted me to talk about that, including I'm going to give some shout-outs to Bucknuts subscribers who wanted me to talk about this. I wanted to talk about it anyway. Uh, TF Catfan, GHBuck23, FoxR2001, and RESM07 all wanted me to talk about various things about D-line. Um, and, yeah, one more thing that uh, – they wanted me to talk about regarding the D-line. Not just with the rotation. There seems to be some tug of war with Knowles and and Larry Johnson with, you know, where should the Jack come from? They were like almost next to each other when they were being interviewed. You know, we're out there, your media, we're trying to – I have two guys that work with me, obviously, with Steve Hellwagon and Patrick Murphy and other outlets. We're dealing with the same thing. We're out there. There's like five coaches out there at once. We're all like scrambling around trying to get as much as we can from all of them so we don't miss it. But – um, I was interviewing Larry Johnson at the time. I was one of the reporters interviewing Larry Johnson. So I didn't hear at the time what Jim Knowles said. Of course, I went back and watched his uh, video interview. Also did a couple stories on what Jim Knowles said. My point is, these guys are not on the same page with um, where the Jack should come from. You know, you know, like Larry Johnson saying it should come from, uh, you know, the linebacker room. And, you know, Jim Knowles is saying the opposite. It's just like their styles do not mesh. Now, when you asked, as I said, I asked Jim Knowles this early last year. I said, Coach, it doesn't seem like – I, I like what Jim Knowles said about starters are starters for a reason. He went into that, and it hit me. It's like that's kind of the opposite of what J Larry Johnson does. And I asked Jim Knowles. I wasn't trying to be antagonistic. It just was interesting to me. I said, Coach, I said, your philosophy doesn't seem to mesh with Larry's philosophy up front. Can you get into that? And he said, well, it can be fine that that's my philosophy in the back seven. And that's Larry's philosophy. You know, Larry's a legend and all that said all the right things. Did he really believe that? Did he just not want to like, as I said, air the dirty laundry to the media? I kind of, I kind of lean toward the latter on that, where that kind of felt like he probably, I mean, what's he going to do? Tell me and, and the rest of the, uh, the media people like, yeah, I mean, what Larry, what Larry's doing, I don't like it all. So I don't know. It just doesn't seem like they mesh. I think they like each other personally. I don't know how you wouldn't. They're both very easy to like men. Like you talk to them just off the record or on the record or whatever. They're very easy to like. So I bet they get along personally. I just think their football philosophies as, as defensive minds don't mesh. So, and again, this I'll say this one more time. that The buck stops with Ryan Day. Okay, if there's a problem here, then Ryan Day needs to step in and say, this is what we're doing. Okay. If he believes that, like JT Tumalau is not playing enough snaps, now he is. Teron Vincent last year was playing too many snaps. Somebody should have stepped in. If they believed that, if Knowles believed that and Ryan Day believed that, they should have stepped in and said, no, he's playing too many snaps. Maybe they didn't believe that. But it's incredible to me that they had a defensive tackle who graded out as poorly as he did according to Pro Football Focus. And if you don't buy into PFF, that's, that's fine. Teron Vincent was a starter at Ohio State, was a former five-star recruit, his dad is, you know, Roger Goodell's right-hand man, and Teron Vincent was not even invited to the NFL Combine. That tells you everything you know about how you performed, okay? He has everything going for him, and including played at Ohio State, starter at Ohio State, and 
was not invited to the NFL Combine. Ohio State had eight players invited. Teron Vincent, not one of them. Um, nice kid, good family. Should not have been leading Ohio State's defensive tackles by a wide margin in snaps last year. That's mismanagement right there. So they got to get that figured out. All right. We're going to switch gears now. We talk, That was the deep dive I promised you on the D-line. Um, and trust me, it's it's uh, we're in the offseason. We're going to talk a lot more about it. We're heading into spring ball. We're now 13 days exactly away from the start of spring ball on March 7th. So um, we're going to be out there. I believe we'll be out there on March 7th on Tuesday, March 7th. All right, a couple more questions from Bucknut subscribers I'm going to get into. Um, all right, this is from uh, – we have a lot of people who have asked about this, actually. This is from specifically AC Eagle. Want to know about Parker Fleming and – if they can get the punt return game going. A lot of people are not happy Parker Fleming got a extension and a raise. I don't know why. I mean, he wasn't going anywhere. He's, I get it. I think a lot of people think he, you know, he's not qualified to be at Ohio State or whatever. Ryan Day believes in him. Now, I have not been impressed with the special teams since Parker Fleming's taken over, so I hear what you guys are saying. But Ryan Day believes in him. So he sees something in Parker, Parker Fleming who had been on staff before that as a quality control coach, then got bumped up to special teams coach. When Matt Barnes went from special teams coach to defensive backs coach, when Kerry Combs was D coordinator, remember those days? Um, and then also, you know, be, you know, stayed on as special teams coach last year after Knowles took over. So um, can Parker Fleming get anything going with a punt return game? What can they do is the question from AC Eagle. Well, it starts with a Mecca Egbuka needs to be your punt returner. I mean, I know you're saying that you you risk injury there. Okay, you risk injury at any point. Look at Jackson Smith and Jigba last year. I mean, he everybody's saying, oh, make sure he doesn't uh, return punts. He could get hurt, and he gets hurt playing receiver. So um, you can get hurt at any point playing football. I think you got to have your best players out there. Um, if you want to be explosive, get a Mecca Buka out there who, despite everybody knowing he's great, going over a thousand yards last year, I still think he's underrated. Marvin Harrison's the best receiver on the team, but. My Mecca book is fantastic, and he's the best return man on this team. I want him as the punt returner. I want him as a kickoff returner. And I do want Parker Fleming to do a better job. Um, and, yeah, for those that didn't hear, he got a two-year extension for, you know, a million dollars total, $500,000 a year for Parker Fleming to be the uh, special teams coach at Ohio State. It's a good time to be a college football coach, right? Now, they work their butt off. They recruit. I mean, it's a, they're, they're always working. It's crazy, so. Um, but that's how, I mean, even Parker Fleming's making a, a half million dollars a year. But I, He's got to step it up, so I agree. But the specific question about punt return, Emeka Egbuka uh, needs to be your punt returner. And then figure some things out with with blocking schemes. And, and, you know, it's a copycat sport. Figure out, find the NFL teams and the college teams that are doing a good job with punt return and mimic what they're doing with their blocking schemes. Um, and get your best punt returner back there. All right. Brave Shark wants to know what what I think about Dewan Jones going in the first round, specifically number twenty eight to the Cincinnati Bengals, and he wants to know what the Bengals might do with the twenty eighth pick. Um, I wouldn't go with Dewan in the first round. I know it's tempting, and I know he, you know, obviously he measured like the man child he is at the Senior Bowl and looked good at practice um, before getting those migraines. But I still think Dewan's more of a second round pick. I don't know if I'd be comfortable at twenty eight taking him in the first round. Um, wouldn't hate it because you can't teach six, nine, three eighty, and you move like you're more like two eighty. So I get it. Um, what should the Bengals do? Best player available. Now, what they will do is they'll, they'll reach for a need. I have no doubt about that. They'll reach for 
maybe it won't be a reach. They'll reach for a tight end. They'll reach for, you know, an offensive lineman, an, a tackle. Hopefully it won't be a reach. Hopefully whoever they take is best player available. I think they need to take best player available and go there. Unless best player, player available is like a quarterback. Um, seriously, though, go best player available um, with very, very, very few exceptions at positions. But Bengals are known for, even though they say they don't do this, they're known for um, reaching based on need. Not always reaching, but Jamar Chase was the one exception to that rule, and look how that worked out. I, you know, they everybody was saying, myself included, take an offensive lineman, take Benet Sewell, and they already had T. Higgins, they already had Tyler Boyd, and they took Jamar Chase. They took the best player available, and look how that worked out. So we'll see what they do. 28, my thing would be see who falls in your lap. Um. I hope it's an offensive lineman. Maybe it will be Dewan Jones to answer Brave Shark's question. Um, so a lot of stuff there. So uh, LJ's coming back. If I had to just to finish the show with more defensive line talk, because I, I know I'm not alone here. I, I had heard that last year's probably going to be his last year, but he's coming back. Um, if I had to bet this will be his last year, this will be his 10th year at Ohio State. Um you know, that adds to, I believe, the retirement benefits in Ohio. Not that he probably needs any more money. You know, he has the, he's been coaching for so long, making good money, but I believe it's 10 years. You, you qualify then for retirement benefits with, um, you know, in the state of Ohio, as far as, you know, the education system. Maybe that has something to do with it. I have no idea because I had heard that he was probably done after last year, mutual, that they weren't making him leave. You know, what changed? Combination of LJ wanting to stay. This is, again, I started the show off with this. So I just want to repeat this. Like, what changed? Because we had heard LJ was probably going to be done after this past year. What changed? Well, I think LJ wants to stay, obviously. And you have all of these recruits and current players that cite him as the main reason they're at Ohio State or want to go there. So you get rid of him. You know, first of all, I mean, do you, are you sure you have a better defensive line coach lined up? You better. And are you going to lose all these recruits? And how's the new defensive line coach going to recruit? I don't know. I think that's probably why he's getting a 10th year at Ohio State. But I do think this will probably be his last year. Who knows? Um, he's highly respected. He's a legend, and rightfully so. He's a great man. I love talking to him. That's why this is kind of a touchy subject. By touchy, I mean very. <laughs> I mean, by kind of, I mean very touchy because we're talking about a legend, and um, he's earned that. He's earned that, and, and a great man too. But I, I believe this is, this is probably his, his last year at Ohio State. We shall see. Of course, I told you guys the same thing last year, didn't I? Maybe one time I'll be right. So uh, we'll see. But thank you very much for riding along with me uh, on this solo version of the Bucknuts Morning 5. I am Dave Biddle. Appreciate you guys very much. Hope everyone has a great rest of your day. Yeah.